Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Uh, boys, we got our full complement of hosts back. Ron is back off the road, uh, feeling rejuvenated back on uh, Ashland Wi-Fi in the Ashland studio. And uh, baby, do you want to give a, a little travel recap or should we hop right into the sponsor? Uh, baby, it's good. Nothing, uh, nothing too important to tell. It would just be standard tarmac fare. So just tarmac right stuff. In. Standard Ronnie tarmac. So Piper, um, you know, business is booming for the Happy Ramp podcast. I'm not going to lie. We are, we are a growth industry, and uh, as such, we've got a sponsor. We've got a sponsor in the boat for a long time. Uh, why don't you tell us about them? We do have a sponsor, and I'm really glad Ron's back. Uh, in fact, it sounds from Ronnie's audio like he might actually be in one of these venues, so maybe he listened to last week's episodes because it sounds like he's recording from across a room. So the the sponsor is Noah's Event Venues. Uh, they are uh, they're a company who has venues across the country, multiple cities. We looked it up last week. I mean, it's it's literally coast to coast. And they have an entire setup designed for churches looking – so church plants or people looking to start additional campuses – not aimed at you, Mark Diver. We know you're listening. You don't do campuses. But the rest of you who are doing multi-site, like, like Ronnie, who does churches everywhere, they might even have multiple campuses in Florida where, Ron, you can start a, a beach location. Absolutely. Um, or churches just looking for an additional space because you've outgrown yours, or something like that, or you're tired of meeting in some elementary school's cafeteria, whatever it is. With it comes all of the AV, microphones, podiums, projectors, TVs, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is very important so people can not listen to the sermon but rather check their fantasy football lineups during the service. Oh, Lighting. Piper, that's convicting. That hits uh, close to home. <laughs> so <laughs> starting, next, starting next week, that'll convict me. I'm good right now. Um, exactly. And even Apple TVs. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. They have parking. They have classroom spaces. I also learned, and this is important, they do have cafe spaces available, although Ooh. I doubt they are up to substance church standards, and I didn't see anything about leather aprons. Well, oh, now. little Come cafe on. space. I Come like on. it. So, I Ron, like you have to bring that stuff with you. They have stages. They have all of this stuff, kitchens, etc. So all of this for churches, if you go to noaeventvenue.com, so noaeventvenue.com slash church, um, you can find out more about all this. And we discussed this last week, but they're they're really nice venues, and they can be dressed hipster. They can be dressed traditional. They have uh, they even have a picture of the bathroom spaces. They're much nicer than my Ooh. bathrooms at home. So I would like to I would like to go to this church just to relieve myself. It's lovely. Um, so yeah, I, <laughs> I would I would say this is. I mean, I I bet they've never gotten that endorsement before. Yeah. So, church leaders, if you're looking to plant, expand, or move, check out noahseventvenues.com slash church and uh, bring your leather aprons with you because those are the one thing they don't provide. Or just come to uh, come to me. I'll, I'll provide those for you. That's a new service that I'm going to be providing via the, the ramp is leather apron services. Dude, there you go. We should we should partner with a leather apron provider and, mm. uh, and make a Happy Ramp branded leather apron. I think this would be amazing. We need to get. I, I have the, the capacity. I have the capability. Baby, I know you do. We we need to get into the hipster leather goods market. Um, Piper, I feel like you could swing a cat in any direction in Nashville and hit um, like a hipster leather goods uh, purveyor. Absolutely, I so. carry I carry one hipster leather goods item with me at all times, and it is it's a leather portfolio that my moleskin Ooh. notebook. I, so I take all my notes for meetings and stuff and work in in a, a wow. moleskin, and it goes in a leather portfolio. And it's uh, it's it's you know debossed with a logo on it, but it's not the Happy mm-hmm. Rant logo, which means it's not as cool as it could be. 
dude, we need happy rant leather goods. I would, uh, I would, I would carry those proudly and, uh, leather apron. I would, I would wear it. I would wear it in just day to day life. So, uh, purveyors of hipster leather goods. If you're out there, we know you are. Um, we want to do business with you. So we want to enter into a, uh, into, you, into you a would look, contract. you would look like such a traditional butcher. If you wore a leather apron, it would be spectacular. Dude, I would, I would love that. I could wear a white t-shirt and, uh, and jeans and a leather apron. I would, I would mm. look like a hipster traditional butcher. I love it. Mm. Ronnie would look like a cobbler. Mm. Mm. I love that, man. I love that. I would just look like what I've always dreamed of being. <laughs> well, as you know, my cobbler here in, in Jackson died. I, I had a guy who would cobble my, my boots. I've got this pair of boots that I've gotten resold like three times. Dude, how do you exist in a town without a cobbler, Big T? That's my Maybe point. I'm going to have to find a new cobbler. That's my issue. This guy was, he was really, you know, he was really advanced in age. And, uh, of course he and was. I heard, I heard through the like boot cobbling community that, that he passed away. There's so never I'm, been a cobbler under 70 that's ever existed. <laughs> Dude, exactly. Although, is that going to become a hipster like vocation now? Like, it already hey, is. I'm, it already yeah. Is. Like I'm cobbling I, shoes. I that's feel like thing. hipsters don't wear shoes that are high quality enough to need to be cobbled. Like if you're wearing Toms, you can't really yeah. do anything with them when they wear out. Yeah, I mean Toms is kind of Chuck I mean, Taylors can't really do anything with those. Place. I mean, yeah, but they're they're wearing uh, you know hipsters are wearing boots these days, man. There's they a lot are. of cobbling going on, so it's you there's know a, there's a growing young it's cobbling a, community. It's a growing oh. young cobbling industry that's designed just for a dude to <laughs> make that lifetime purchase of boots. That one. Maybe do purchase. you have? Do you have a cobbling stand there at, at Substance Ashland? Like, can I yeah, come and get my boots cobbled? Yeah, right, I can get my boots cafe. cobbled at church. Yeah. yeah, you come, you get a cup of coffee, you can buy a leather apron and get your boots cobbled. Gosh, that's perfect. Ted, I may have to was, make a trip. Was your cobbler by any chance of Eastern European descent? I what don't think he was. Pipe, do you do you know my cobbler potentially? I, I, I have known two or three over the years in different cities. All of them are Eastern European, and you're right; they're all somewhere of indeterminate age between seventy and one hundred and twelve. They yeah, are all sure. they're all like really crusty in terms yeah. of like gruff, oh, yeah. but also they'll they'll take really good care of you. They'll bend over backwards. You know, everything you hand them, they're like, oh, oh, this is this yeah. is tragic. Like the loss of a shoe is. Affects them. Dude, they're, right. they're like the same person, which is why I wondered if your cobbler might be um, of the same family. Well, guys, like I'm, I'm going to be a cobbler someday, but I have to wait like 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> you're still a little young for it. Oh, I'm know? way too. They won't even consider training me until I'm 64. Yeah, so for sure, for yeah. sure. Well, so you're you know lying what? about your age now? Is that what I'm gathering, Ron? What? I mean, yeah, Ron, Ron's 24. <laughs> arithmetic is tough, I know. Not, not really something yeah. that pastors have to do usually. Yeah, no, Ron, it's not my thing, obviously. Ron's yeah. a young pastor. You know, he's one of these young, up-and-coming. I'm like all pastors who just admit, have to admit that, you know, admin's not my thing. Oh, yeah. What pastor admits that admin is their thing? This is Are what I get from all, past, all young pastors. Ronnie, I mean, you're probably going to be shocked at this, but number one, I'm an introvert. And number two, dude, I don't know. I mean, admin's not my thing. That's yeah, what I hear yeah. ten out of ten times. Yeah, dude, how shocking given given like the persona work, you know? Yeah, given like, the the current cultural climate, it's like I would not expect you to be anything other than an introvert and have nothing to do with admin. In fact, if you told me the opposite, we're not we don't even have a conversation. But right? given the that, fact that your little outfit costs like four thousand dollars, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm shocked that you're that you don't have the gift for admin. Until you know? until they give you their enneagram number, you can't determine if they're really of church planting quality, though. Well, I don't even talk to them until I mean, it's like don't tell me your name till you tell me your number, and then we'll see if we have a conversation. So they, yeah, they right. walk up and they're like, um, 
four four wing five. I'm I'm Will, and you're like, and oh, then okay, they hear this. Good. They hear a click. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually a click on the other end. Their resume is just a number. Like it's it just used a to page be. It used to be a busy so. signal back in the '80s, but we don't have those anymore. So oh, so vintage, baby. Oh, absolutely. I put I put a I put a I put like a busy signal app on my phone because you know that's what I gotta have. Absolutely, gotta have it. Gotta have it. Well, boys, speaking of churches and church planting, in issues related to churches and issues related to churches in our very unique uh, corner of the Christian subculture, my former colleague, my you know my equal, my peer in book writing for Christians, Kevin DeYoung, um, recently dropped a very very controversial piece on the Gospel Coalition that said, and I quote that preachers should probably preach five minutes less than, than they're currently preaching. And I tell you what, when I read this, I stood up and cheered, right? I've been, <laughs> I've been advocating for this for years, right? Although for me, it's not five minutes less. It's like 15 minutes less. But uh, I want to I unpack this for a minute because I actually think the content of the piece was really good. It speaks to sort of the, the cultural, like, uh, shifts that we experience in our in our little church subculture, and uh, I know I've mentioned this ad nauseum on the program pipe so so often that you're probably sick of it. But when I, when I listen to old sermons of your dad's from time to time, like from the '90s, they're short; they're like 28 minutes. Um, but now all reform guys feel like they have to go 55 minutes, and I just I'm curious as to when that cultural shift took place, and if we're ever going to swing back, and if maybe KDY's article was the first step in a in a shorter sermon direction boys your thoughts piper uh why don't you weigh in on this first well my first thought when i saw the headline was i mean that would be fantastic because that would get most reformed guys just under an hour you know yeah, five minutes exactly. less coming at a sol- right solid in like 58 hour. minutes um that's yep. fantastic which means that i tend to agree with you that i wondered if it was maybe a misprint um maybe yeah. they forgot the one it was supposed to be 15 or maybe even a two should have been 25 because you cut 25 minutes off the average Reformed guy, and they're at about 40 minutes, which is the top end of what a sermon ought to be. So yeah. um, all joking aside, I, did, I, I was also baffled that Kevin DeYoung, of all people, would be advocating for shorter sermons just because you know, he is, he's sort of the heart and center of the, the thoughtful Reformed crowd. So not like the insane Reformed crowd. But the yeah. thoughtful reform crowd, and you don't hear a lot about sort of methodology from that crowd, and length of sermon is a methodology kind of thing, like what is the most effective way to communicate? So I was, right. I was pretty shocked and pretty thankful to see that from him, just in terms of sort of beginning to consider things from a different light. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, methodology is sort of like beneath that crowd usually and um and it seems like shorter sermons would be the last thing they would talk about well, anything Ron, prag- anything pragmatic is considered pragmatic. That's, that's like a bad word for that crowd in general so to see i mean of right. course of course he didn't use the term pragmatism but it's a fairly pragmatic argument yeah most definitely ron how was this uh this article i'm sure sent shockwaves through the through the pastoral <laughs> community how was this uh, how was this received in 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 your subculture you know, I don't think any, you know, most people would agree. So all the, the dudes I know, the friends I have, you know, um, you know, I don't think anybody thinks that sermons shouldn't be shorter. I think it's, do you have the experience to, uh, to, to actually shorten them, have the maturity to shorten them? Because again, 
Really, at the end of the day, I think the best preachers preach shorter because they just, um, you know, they have they have that level of maturity and, and intellect and built-in knowledge to uh, to be able to do it well. I, I one of the things though that what so this is one of the things that cracks me up about the article though, right? Because I read the article, and yeah. what I love about Katie Y and what I I love it when people say this because I and again I want to almost write a follow-up article and I, and I probably will that will just speak into that would this. be the most gospel coalition thing you should do how we could think about how we should think about shorter sermons <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I but love here, it but it's but it's critical and this is what I this is part of what my criticism is this I love it when dudes say here's the problem guys. What I've realized through the years is that I don't have to say everything. What I realize is that, hey, you know what, man? There's two other sermons in this that I can preach down the road. And you know what my response to that always is? It's like, dude, you know what? Like, I'm lucky if I get one sermon out of my prep, much less like looking at the text and thinking, oh, you know what? I just got to pick one of the four sermons that I was able to like come up with during my preparation. I mean, dude, I go into the pulpit with like a half a sermon that I somehow turn into a whole sermon every Sunday, yeah. much less thinking like, oh my gosh, just it's just so hard for me to pare it down. Pare it down? Like, dude, I just hope I have the material to preach at all. Right. Dude, you so we can get to 55 minutes. Oh, you know? my goodness, man. Yeah, it's re- <laughs> but, but like that whole mentality is just insanity to me. Just crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think do you think that there's it, it seems like there's sort of a, a blind spot potentially to the privileged privileged position of the preaching pastor? Yes. The uh-huh. idea that your sole job is to look at commentaries and build a sermon and occasionally show up to meetings. So, I mean, you're talking minimum 17, 20 hours a week working on the sermon. Some of these guys significantly more than that. And if you're you're a kind of the jack of all trades pastor, because it's a small church or you're a church planter, like you're lucky to get 12 hours or 10 to put into, to concentrated sermon prep. So yeah, I think the idea of, uh, I don't have to say it all really implies that you've had about double or triple the time to figure out all the things that could be said. Well, and that's exactly the truth, because at the end of the day, dude, I mean, I'm so I'm like, I'm really happy that I got like two of the points that I wanted. I'm hoping that third point gets fleshed out while I'm preaching. And hey, I got to read like the majority of that one commentary so that at least I'm not speaking lies. And like, that's that's about that's that's about what it is. That's where I'm at. Let's let's talk brass tacks on this. Have you. And I truly don't know the answer to this, so there's there's no like hidden agenda. Have you ever published a piece with a gospel coalition? Like, is it the kind of thing where you could write the follow up and feel like pretty confident that that's gonna that's gonna run? I mean, I don't know if they would. I, I w- it would have to look like I wasn't just coming, you know, being so anti, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sure. um, but um, I yeah. There's there's just there's something when like when the A list guys you know, kind of right on methodology, kind of going back to what you guys talked about in the beginning, where you have to be so careful because you're assuming like what Pipe really aptly said, that everybody's coming at it with sort of the same, with the same abilities and the same, uh, the same time and the same toolbox and all of those things. And it's like, oh my gosh, man, it's like, yeah, not even close. Yeah. I mean, yeah, seriously. For sure. You know. Well, I think, that's, I think that's reflective of sort of all all church leadership. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a movement away from this, but for a long time, all church leadership stuff has been built on the basic foundation of megachurch, which is yeah, an yeah. entirely different structure. I mean, it, that, I'm not making any sort of moral or judgmental statement about that, but simply 
if if you're giving leadership advice to the pastor of a 120 person church and you have 1200 people or 12000 people they're not even this remotely the same thing and yeah. so just I think the same is true because at those bigger churches, you have a preaching pastor at the smaller churches. You have a pastor and a half for everything. So, I mean, that's, it's just, it's a, it's a kind of a, a, it's consistent with how church leadership stuff has been written for years. But you know what else is funny though, you guys, it also, this is the other thing that never gets talked about. It's, it also kind of plays into the fact that every preacher out there that preps sermons kind of has the same type of personality. So they geek out on doing word studies and they're, you know, they're, they're like those guys that like to get technical about like, you know, every <laughs> dotting of the I and crossing of the T. It's like, I'm just like, for better, or for worse, I'm just not one of those kinds of preachers anyway. I more just try to get the big, what's the overall theme that the, that the guy's, you know, driving at, and then we'll kind of, we'll build it out from there. So like that assumes that like everybody just, man, if I only had 40 hours to spend on a sermon so that I could break down and parse out like every you know, single syllable, I would do that. My whole thing is like, dude, if I had 40 hours, I still wouldn't be doing that. That's just not the kind of preacher I am. That's you not just how described I Andy Stanley to a T. Oh, dude. <laughs> Shoot. You just got me in trouble. What do you Maybe you take away, listen, Big R, you take away all the money <laughs> and you take away all the fame and all the decadence. You and Andy are basically the same person per Barnabas Piper. Yeah, hey, Resonance, can you take out this part, right? Because yeah, 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 those guys don't even listen. You just yeah, left Andy at me, and now I got to go back and re say everything I said. Thanks, Pipe. Uh, you're <laughs> welcome. We can we can reconcile later. I just figured it was good for a joke. I mean, the son of John Piper's like, yeah, I'm critical of you now, Big R, because you don't parse out the Greek. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you even reformed? Are you yeah, even... right. I know. Right, I... If we, let, you know, thirty second sidebar on Greek. I took first semester first semester Greek twice, and I made it through half of second semester Greek. So um, I do not throw stones at anybody who struggles <laughs> with parsing Greek. Uh, yeah. I was I was making a different joke. I I'm the worst at Greek. <laughs> Nice. Well, my kid's uh, my kid's fifteen. He goes to classical school. He's studying Greek this year. So I thought it was um, Latin, baby. I thought they did Latin at class. Baby, they switched him from Latin to Greek. I think because wow. the the Latin was too hard, so they they let him pick up something easy like Greek. Oh, you know? so well, he's just having a gay old time then. Co- Como se dice Greek. Yeah. Oh, he's he pumped. He's stoked. loving life. Yeah. I mean, but you have so many. You have so many issues to work out with that kid already that he's oh, angry so about. It's incredible. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm giving him reasons to rebel. So <laughs> it's, that's good. Uh, well, baby, wow. g- given what you've just admitted on the program about your uh, your methodology, your your preaching, your prep, I don't even uh, I don't even know what I admitted, but yeah, carry on. Given <laughs> given the fact that you and Andy Stanley are basically the same guy, um, oh, right. it, it right. may be time for you to look for another job soon. And that actually builds into our next topic. So there was a there was a little bit of a flap uh, on social media. I know this only because Piper shared it. Um, the guy and you got a job. He, he was from the Cosby Show, right? I feel like this yeah. guy was a like Jeffrey a really, Owens. Yeah, he was a really endearing Cosby Show actor. And was he, he was he Theo? No, no, he wasn't Theo. He was. Um, I didn't really. Was, like, I didn't go. I didn't go IMDb. And I don't remember. Okay, that's right. Yeah, he was. The, he was the son of. The, he was married to like the oldest Huxtable daughter, I guess. Okay. Yeah, the yeah, second oldest. Yeah, kind of the. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right. The oldest. The oldest one. Yeah, the real conservative yeah. one. Yeah, the conservative one, and he he was kind of conservative anyway. Um, he, I guess, uh, got outed as someone who has like a real job. Like he works at he works at Trader Joe's or whatever. And I, I don't know what was the. Like, what was the fallout from this, Piper? 
The fallout was so he was he was job shamed, which apparently you can just oh, okay. add shamed to the end of anything these days, which basically means yeah. somebody made fun of you for something. But so he right. was somebody snapped a picture of him working at Trader Joe's and there was, you know, mean social media posts about it because because he had been a prominent actor like what was that, twenty five years ago, thirty years ago? Um and yeah. And, yeah. and so and and so and then he had this his response was this essentially all jobs have value. All jobs are equal. You know, working hard. There's dignity in working hard. That that was sort of his response. So he wasn't he wasn't you know sort of clapping back at the at the mean people, but rather giving a defense of his work, or of his working, I should say. And you know, it raised a stir. And you know, you've got people, and I, I don't think anybody is taking shots at him further. But uh, you yeah. know, it, it created a conversation about the dignity of work and and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, good for him, man, for having a job. And I mean, as someone who's like had a lot of crappy jobs in pursuit of, is somebody like running a vacuum in the background? What is that? Yeah, that's me. I'm vacuuming while we're doing. Are the you show. vacuuming? Good, baby. Uh, Redeem this time. Yeah, I'm wearing my leather apron. Oh, it's like a throwback to the old episodes when when Ted used to record like right next to the sink while somebody was washing dishes and things like that. It was you no, know, that was me. I used to like in the Trogues days. I would yeah. unload the dishwasher. Yeah, and, I'm like, just trying to be vintage right now, guys. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I thought you were doing your other job, which was like, you know, cleaning hotel rooms or whatever. Well, it's, not sur- it's not sermon prep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, we know it's not sermon prep. Cleaning, sure cleaning, cleaning Hyatt places uh, is your other yeah. job. Whatever Andy Stanley does in his free time. I don't know. Like counting all the money, maybe. But uh, but anyway, like from where I sit, good on this guy for, you know, working, providing. Um, you know, I, I think it's a non-thing, except that like, of all the crappy jobs that I did when I was freelancing, I feel like the crappiest would be working at Trader Joe's just because like spending your workday like trying to placate hipsters and help them find things would be really hard. So tip of the cap to this guy for doing uh, for doing that hard work. And I don't know. Do you guys have thoughts on this? Big R, do you have uh, do you have an opinion on this one? Well, yeah, what's funny, man, about what you just said is like if there's ever if there's ever one of those kinds of jobs that you would like to work at, it would be trade. Like if you've been to Trader Joe's, like the the cashiers and the workers there are among like the happiest people like you've ever met. They're just really they're super friendly. Yeah, that's the whole kind of vibe there is like they're it's almost like they're 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 doing something that's it's it's you know they're taking what they're doing, they're redeeming it because again we're in a place where. You know, it's all fair trade food and coffee. And, you know, there's like they have, you know, Trader Joe's kind of has a mission behind what they do. So everybody there, it's it's not like going into like a your, you know, your garden variety like supermarket, right? Like everybody there is pumped. They are stoked. Seriously, they treat you so nice. You almost like kind of think, dude, maybe I yeah, maybe I should work here, right? I mean they're they yeah. all seem so right. I, they could, just, I could vacuum here. They, they also get they also get paid really well. And and they, they're good corporate benefits like Trader Joe's takes good care of their employees. It's, so it's not like your typical big yeah. chain where it's like, Absolutely. you know, pimply teenagers who don't want to be there. Just like chucking your bananas back at your cart kind of thing when they bag it's the groceries. Like the, By the like, way, though, that's why like a loaf of bread is burger like, of like, yeah, <clears throat> that's why a loaf of bread is $19 at Trader Joe's, though. Yeah, it's expensive, good care they're right? taking of everyone. You but know. it's like, yeah, that's what it is, though. So it's like the In-N-Out Burger of like grocery chains. You know what I mean? Oh, like, you're confusing every- me with Whole Foods, Ted. Whole Foods is where that is is where everything's expensive and it's super and everybody's snobby. Trader Joe's yeah. is like it's like Hawaiian shirts and and you know Crocs and stuff. Is like it really? That. Like, I was thinking of the other place. So yeah, I mean, no, it's, dude, it's it's mellow. Yeah, it's oh, way more laid back. And yes, yeah, so you go in there and there is there is a way more sort of happy vibe to the place there. 
almost everything there besides like their their uh, besides certain selections is their own branded stuff, and so they can keep prices pretty reasonable. But yeah, it's it's a different sort of joint. But uh, I don't know. I guess I just the thing that stood out to me was, you know, everybody talks about uh, sort of privilege and you know how how whiny people are and how much they think they deserve and this guy had had reached sort of fame and fortune and now is in a position of life where he has to work to make ends meet like everybody else and and he's just doing it and he's not uh you know he he's not like sitting around griping because he's not getting what he deserves he's he's just hustling to get a job or to work his job and i i mean i think that is i think that is deserving of significant respect at the same time as this was buzzing i saw another tweet from a guy i think it was actually in response to this where he was talking about how he came out of college and he was complaining to his dad about you know the only job offer he had it was you know they oh they were only offering him 30 grand and blah 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 and his dad looked at him and said why don't you go earn the 30 grand instead of talking crap about jobs for a while and just sort of and just sort of like you know, gave him the verbal smack, which is kind of what this guy did in terms of saying, like, earn your money. Don't don't be a whiner. Don't be privileged. And certainly don't act as if one job has more status than another. Yeah. And I think um, what I think, but even the deeper commentary on that, guys, and I would like to hear your take on this, which I think is really fascinating, is I think more than anything, people are shocked that somebody that rose to that kind of prominence, like in the entertainment world, specifically television, like would would end up 25 years later having to work you know, like just a, just a, you know, a, a normal, you know, you know, every man job, right? Because like we think of these guys because of being, you know, where they were, they're nationally known, you know, television personalities, like somehow they're supposed to be set for life. And I think it's almost the shock of everybody seeing somebody like that and thinking, wait a minute, are you trying to tell me that if I got to the status he got, it's not enough to like carry me through life? And it's like, in fact, well, yeah, because life dishes things out that nobody expects. One- and you have, you have no idea if that's, if that would be you. America hasn't seemed to realize that being famous doesn't come with a paycheck. Right. I mean, like, unless you're a Kardashian, right. Well, even that doesn't. They're, they had the paycheck and that's how they got famous. They wouldn't be famous if they weren't rich in the first place. And then, like, if you're rich, it's much easier to get richer. But, but also, the man was making late 80s, early 90s money as a, you know, whatever 20-year-old black guy in television, which means he probably wasn't getting paid fairly for, you know, what the what the network was raking in anyway. Probably. So I mean, yeah. who knows who knows what his financial reality was, but like say he made 100 grand a year for 3 years. That was 30 yeah. years ago. Like that's that money doesn't just parlay into uh <laughs> in, into sort of security Set for, for the life-ness. next 3 decades. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not how money works. And I don't know. I, there, there is a strange reality where people assume that if you are well-known, you are well-off. Yeah, yeah. And that as if those two things have anything to do with each other. You know, it's why like, they, there's this, they, the vague assumption that if you're a published author, you got paid well for that. All three of us can say not the case. No, you did not. Yeah. yeah. False. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the same well, is true across the board. Guys, but... <laughs> Baby, we've done books together. I, I know. I know for a fact we didn't get paid very well for. Oh, those. I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. We need to sell. We need to sell the facade, though. I mean, we. I want people to think that, like, you know, because we did the Bridezilla of Christ five years ago, we're set for life. You know. Yeah. Um, Define set for life. I mean, I, I guess. I guess we could be set for life. It depends what you mean by set for life. 
you know. Yeah, I mean, God's sovereign. So, how, I mean, how long that are way... you intending life to last? Is, is that what that question here? <laughs> Hopefully, like, like, like uh, if I... <laughs> another month and a half, and, and then yes, I am set. Like for Big life. T, if we would have died the day after we got our advance, we would have been set. We would have been set for life. Yeah, yes, yeah. I, I am set for the average lifespan of a goldfish. Right. There you go. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Boys, I've got time for one more quick topic. And uh, Piper, this was yours, so I'm going to let you open the discussion on this one. But um, I, And I'm going to start it with a question. Was there a new statement for, like, reformed dudes to sign? I feel like we, there's always a statement. Uh, it was the Manhattan Declaration and then the Nashville Statement a couple years ago. And um, you, you sent something to the effect that um, – you know, maybe maybe it's not so courageous. Maybe there's not a lot uh, on the line in terms of signing these statements. Uh, was there a recent one? And in fact, I'm looking at our show prep, and it looks like there was a social justice statement. Um, talk about that, Pipe. Yeah, I I didn't read the whole statement because there's a, it, it's longer than like the Bill of Rights, and it's <laughs> and more complicated oh, course, yeah. and uses yeah, it's more like a, big a words. Manhattan phone book, you know. But. Uh, you know, it's it's probably a typical journal entry for like John MacArthur and the other people who helped write it or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was always a statement in response to the latest hubbub about social justice and social gospel versus like just preach the gospel and that kind of thing. So all sorts of denials and affirmations about what we do and don't believe. And there was some really helpful things in it and some pretty questionable things in it that sounded a lot like, you know, demeaning sort of culturally demeaning things. But the question that I raised was not so much about the, the statement itself, but rather, I, what, what is the value in signing a statement? It, to me, signing a statement feels like the old people version of a hashtag. Like yeah. it's just it's just sort of slapping your name on something with like there's 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 absolutely zero vested interest or cost in anything <laughs> it's just sort of a public statement of see this is where i stand and then you just go about your business it's just it's just old people hashtagging is what it seems like to me yeah and you can be assured that no one nowhere at any time will care about it right because these yeah. things never get like you know pulled back out and read and like oh remember when you know ronnie martin signed that statement <laughs> one time like wasn't that a great what a great moment. You, well, know? you know who will pull it out is if you ever change your stance on it, uh, people yeah. will say, remember, you signed that thing. And as if as if that was like a lifetime commitment to anything that has legal ramifications or something like that. The other piece yeah. of it that I find fa you know fascinating is they're like, we have 2,500 signees. I'm like, yeah, 2,200 of them signed it because they saw three other names on there. They looked at it and they're like, oh, Vody Bauckham, John MacArthur, whoever. Yeah, I'm in. It, they're signing – with just based on that, it's the same way that people buy books. They just they, Dude, so they buy it based on the strength of the platform. Exactly. What what was the like the content of the statement? Like social justice is good or social justice is is bad? Like what was what was the content? What are we looking at? So it's sort of a qualified statement about what is the place of social justice and social interaction. In, in light of gospel ministry. So, you know, mm -hmm. th there's there's been a debate for d literally a century or two about social gospel versus like biblical yeah. gospel, as if those two things are completely at odds, because both of them can be taken to extremes that excludes the other. So this is yeah. this is a conservative evangelical 
effort to say what is the place of social justice in gospel ministry. Um, I lean more social than they do, so I think that they that that they they said some unhelpful things in there. But I think some of they had some very on point statements about biblical realities and 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 what is gospel truth and those kinds of things too. So it's but it was. It's essentially like they're they're trying to have the last word on that debate, which they're not going to. They're just going to be able to sign their name and be like, what what this allows them to do is not argue anymore and just point. So every time somebody brings something up, something up, they're like, it's in the statement, that statement, the one that I put my name on. And so they mm-hmm. don't they don't ever have to argue or blog or write. And thank God because nobody wants to read any more of that stuff from them anyway. <laughs> So you mean to tell me it was a super long, wordy document, which doesn't really clarify anything? That's that's shocking. It, it affirms uh, what we all knew they believed in the first place. There you go. There you go. That's, that my, seems that's my favorite version of a statement. Boys, what if we were to write a statement? How many I was people literally do you just going to say get? that, man. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're creators. We're creatives. You know, we're going to have our own leather goods pretty soon. We should have a statement. We Why don't we write a statement about statements? There you go. <laughs> affirmed statements are dumb denied statements have value yeah but right. we got to make it like 50,000 words yeah Absolutely. we can sign our names and watch the other signatures roll in i wonder how many we could get like truly on a if we if we crafted a statement pipe where do you set the over under on that one what's the vegas line what's bovada saying about a uh, number of signatures we could get on a statement of some kind. Five hundred. So let's see. We've got you know we got three thousand and change Twitter followers. We've got twelve hundred or thirteen hundred Facebook followers, and then our individual reach. Uh, I you know I, I'd probably I bet they would put it at like seven fifty. Ooh, seven fifty. I might I might take the over on seven fifty. I feel like we could we could I, do that. I mean that I feel like if we got over that that would be. Uh, that would be significant. If that we would, got that under that, big. you know, I don't know that it would be heartbreaking. If we got like under 500, what are we even doing? But Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the thing with these statements. It's a roll of the dice because you don't want, you don't want that number of signatures to be sad. You know what does, I mean? Does the number of signatures make it more true? So like – it like yes. levels up. It levels up in truth with every five hundred signatures or something. Like so, like the first five hundred, you're like it's a statement. The second five hundred, you're like it's a pretty good statement. You know, a thousand to fifteen hundred. That's an excellent statement. And 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 you just work your <laughs> way up to like, can you get can you reach canonization at like ten thousand plus signatures or something? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've got to think you can because you know the more the more people you get to like your thing, the 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 truer and better it it is. So. Um, that's just the world we live in. In which case, Ronnie, you should be really proud to be compared to Andy Stanley because a lot of people like his stuff, so it's it's excellent. Dude, Stanley's looking at bare minimum like four thousand signatures on whatever he does. So, um, do you think Stanley signed that horrible statement? Uh, I don't know anything about Stan other than like cheesy like business motivational phrases tend to come from him. So, but that's literally the only thing I know about. I'm I'm gonna uh, go with no on that one. I'm going to go with he probably wasn't even asked. Or do you Dude, think- that's the thing. Here's an awkward thing. What or- if you want to sign the statement? But you're not asked. And, and, the, and the people that, that crafted it are like, no, we're good. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> Please take your name off of it. You're besmirching the rest of us. Although, well, if, yeah. this, if you go look through state- the list of signatures, there are some people who put down some very funny things and a few that are uh, <laughs> a, little, a little crude. And a little, oh. you know, they just, they signed 
they signed fake names to take shots at the the creators of it, and it, it made me chuckle a little bit. Ah, uh, see, it's a slippery slope, man. You don't know what you're getting into when you craft these statements. People are gonna they're gonna get clever, you know. So uh, we we got to be aware of that when you know when time comes around for us to release ours. But uh, boys, time has come around for me to go. Uh, to a meeting at my son's classical school where they're going to crush my sports dreams, probably. So um, That's what classical that, schools exist to do, Ted, to crush oh, people's athletic dreams. Most definitely, yeah. So this, this is right in the, right in the wheelhouse. So uh, I am going to – I'm going to have to sign off, boys. So I'm going to have to cut this, uh, this episode of the Happy Ranch short. Uh, but we have done what we always do. I, I feel like we've thoroughly wandered to and fro throughout these topics – And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.